This is Father Jacob Bertrand Jansik. And this is Father Patrick Briscoe. Welcome to Godsplaining. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to Godsplaining wherever you listen to your podcasts. Father Patrick, what's up? How you doing? It's good to see you. Good to be here together. Together, together, together. What a word. Yes, we are. We are. We are God's planning together right now in actual person. In person. Yeah, which is very fun. Yeah, it doesn't happen all that much. It's a significant upgrade for the podcast. Like yeah. it's a throwback. Remember when we would sit in the same room with like with kind of crowded around, yeah. crowded around the same <laughs> mic, so that way we could. Yeah, yeah. If you go back to some of our early Lexio episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're just laughing about it, thinking about it. They're so exciting. Yeah. So um, make sure you watch those videos on YouTube too. Yeah. They're pretty amazing setups. We've come such a long way. We have, you know, and that's that's a remarkable thing. Um, very rarely in the spiritual life do you get to see such progress. But on God's planning, we've really we've really made progress, if not in content, with production quality. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, speaking of progress then, mm. spiritual progress. True, spiritual progress. That's kind of what we want to talk about today. Um, the title of the episode is what? Is this thought from me, God, the devil? Mm. Question mark after me, not me, I'm God and devil. You know, is this thought from me, question mark, or God, question mark, or devil, question mark. So, um, yeah, it was on our minds. I think something we've encountered in different settings, but I don't know, kind of set it up for us. Why, why, why? Yeah, I think it matters a very great deal. Um, as people become more serious in the spiritual life, uh, they, they need help discerning where thoughts are coming from in order to follow that direction, right? The attentive Christian knows that things on this side of eternity are not all as they should be, right? We're living, we're living out the incompleteness. We're living in a world mired by sin. We're living out the difficulties of life and our own reactions to, to, to all of those scenarios. So we're trying to decide how best to follow God in the in the imperfect um, the imperfect pattern of life on this side of heaven. Um, so we know that we're going to be subject to sin. We know that we're going to be subject to temptation. We know that we're going to be subject to other people's sins. We know that there are spiritual creatures who are above us, the demons. They can do things to us. So the question we're asking is, how do we recognize what, what belongs to me? What belongs to those spiritual creatures and what belongs to God? Um, now, you have a lot of experience in this, I think, certainly because you just finished up your tenure as vocation director. Mm. So serving as vocation director for the province of St. Joseph, you're an expert in <laughs> helping young men listen to God. No, it's true. Like this is this is the job of the vocation director, right? To to help identify those who are who are hearing God's voice. Um, who are inclined to join the order preachers because none of us gets to choose this vocation for for our own self. God leads us to it. Um, so the vocation director, I think, helps these men in a privileged way. So we could talk a little bit about uh, about that, I think. Um, and then I know I know you've had some other experiences, but why don't we start there with your experience as vocation director? What was that like helping young men listen to identify uh, the voice of God leading them to the order in their yeah. lives? Yeah, I think the, the what would I say? Um, this question of like, where are the thoughts coming from? And I, uh, you know, in my prayer life, like what I'm getting when I'm sitting down in the chapel or in adoration in the chapel or somewhere else, like, how do I kind of trust that? How do I know that? And like you said, the vocation world, this is particularly poignant because we're trying not we, I'm not anymore. I know what I'm doing with my life. It's, that's been decided. <laughs> that's right. And that's it, You're right? in solemn vows. You're yeah. ordained a priest. The yeah. matter is settled for it's you. It's done. Yeah. <laughs> but the the question of like, what is the Lord doing with my life or wanting me to do with my life? Um, 
is one that comes up in prayer often. So obviously a vocation question. And then like, do I trust what I'm getting? Is this me? Is this not? And the way in which it was framed often with men who were thinking about a Dominican vocation, I imagine you could you could have this sort of same experience discerning other vocations or diocesan vocation, you know, whatever it might be, is that um, the question of, well, are my, like, is what I want, are my desires in accord with God's desires? Are they in conflict? Is this, you know, like, I'm attracted to religious life, but God, does God want me to do this? Or I think God might want me to do this, but do I want to do this? So where are these thoughts coming from? Is it from me, from God, from the evil one even? Um, So in, in the vocation kind of experience, that's where, at least that's like setting the the scene of mm. of what of of what I encountered. But I think too, it, it's certainly as we've said, it's certainly not limited to just vocation stuff. I think even generally right. spiritual uh, spiritual life. And you and I, for like for example, something that often comes to mind here is you and I and a whole host of other friars um, have served as as chaplains uh, at Focus's summer projects. So in in being with students for the course of a summer, you get to know them better. You hear their confessions. You talk to them in direction, and just like knowing them. And this is also, I think, a question that comes up not just with young people, with all people, but um, in that experience, I know like we've chatted about this of like, well, how do we handle as priests, like how do we offer good counsel for people who are trying to discern just general, like live the Christian life? Um, so I don't right. know what your experience with that is like, right. but something that we've also gotten to know a bit. Yeah, very, very similar. Um, I, I haven't been in as deep as you. I haven't done the vocation work that you've done, but but certainly with working with students, uh, my time as a chaplain at Providence College, um, uh, in my time serving as chaplain for summer projects, is at the forefront of the minds of young people. But I think every Christian, I saw this as a parish priest, um, I, there's there's a, something we have to get over in the modern world, and it's that we Christians believe that God speaks to us. We believe that. Um, and if you just take that phrase and throw it out there, I think for a lot of people it's alarming, right? That that sounds like that like a, a, a deeply um, a, a deeply discordant claim with how the modern world lives, right? To be a religious person is to believe that God speaks to us. Catholics, we believe that God speaks to us in a number of ways, right? We have. Uh, we have the revelation that comes um, from the sacred scriptures. We have um, all of the divine teaching that's given to us through the church um, that's communicated under apostolic authority. We believe that God speaks to us through people in our lives, through our friends, um, through through their counsel, or their spiritual lives. We believe God speaks directly to us in prayer. So, so we have this host, actually, of, of speakings of God. God speaks to us in creation and how he's ordered the universe and directs it um, according to his divine providence. So we, we, we have to start there, I think. And I think that, that I think that that's that's the principle that I find myself asserting all the time to people. Yes, God speaks. He speaks to us in these ways, in these different forms, in these mechanisms. And we shouldn't be surprised then when we begin to hear his voice in our own hearts, when we hear God speaking to us, because uh, ultimately the hand of God is closer than the door. God is sustaining us, preserving us in existence at all times metaphysically. So should we be, be surprised then? that there's a kind of interior prompting, right? Like this is the consequence of the heart being the temple of the Holy Spirit, the dwelling place of the triune God even. Um, God, God is there with us by virtue of, of these great sacraments. It's part of the gifts he offers in baptism and confirmation. Um, and that, 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 he, that he's there reve- revealing things to us and leading us. Yeah. One of the things, so like setting, so we've kind of set the scene, right? That like hmm. basically human beings who are pursuing God want to pursue God, 
right? That's that's really what it is. That we want to know when we when we take time in prayer, as we grow in a relationship with God, are we doing that well? Hmm. Are we listening to Him, or are we listening to me, devil, other things, other people? You know. So we want there's there's this desire there to to do that well. Um, and I think your point about God being like the the great. Well, I like this title, like Revelator. Mm-hmm. Like God is. He, he wants to reveal himself. And that's not just something we're saying. Like, this is what the scriptures are. This is what the incarnation is. This is what the prophets are. Like, God wants to be known. Mm-hmm. So we have to take confidence in that, that God wants us to know him, that he wants us to share in his life. And in order to do that, you have to have a real relationship with him. But the issue remains that in, like, sitting down to pray, it's not like we're getting, like, a, a fax or, like, an email. Do people who don't even fax anymore, do they? I don't know, whatever. Um, <laughs> Lawyers do. Do they? Because the lines are secure. Oh. They can't be hacked the way that email can. Hmm. But they might be the only people. Okay. Maybe hospitals. Fair enough, yeah. I've never... I've sent, like, one fax in my life, so I don't know how that all works. Um, but uh, but even though God wants to reveal himself, and even though that... I would assume that when most people go to pray, they do so because they want to spend time with God and not hmm. do something else, right? Um, the fact remains that the, that human beings are involved here, that God is involved here, and that Satan is real. So the distinguishing between those voices is, is, is an important one, right? That's part of, I think, growing in spiritual maturity, growing in um, the virtues and habits of prayer, of being able to, like, distinguish and differentiate. And I think that lift is less than people would initially think. Mm. So let's talk right. about that. You know, let's yeah, look could. at each of those. Let's start with, but let's start with the devil, because I think that's often where people are like, is this the devil? Yeah, is this good. evil? How do I? So the question then is like, in my prayer, how do I know? Well, I'll set it in these terms. If it's from God, it's good. If, right. if we're united to God, it's good. If it's from the devil, it's bad. I think most people got that, right? So how do we know if this is a bad thing? Like, mm-hmm. what are some things that we can use in our prayer and in our sort of um, prudential decision-making, our, our choices, that we can, like, have some confidence that I'm not just being led by the devil here? Right, good. So I think we, we need to say just a couple quick fundamental things because they're helpful for us to remember. Yeah. Um, God is infinite and all-powerful and all-knowing. The devil is not God. Therefore, the devil is not infinite, nor is the devil all-powerful, nor is the devil all-knowing. Why? Because the devil is a fallen angel. And angels, despite being magnificent spiritual creatures, are still only creatures, right? And I think that's the key. Because one of the temptations here, as we begin to think of this, um, if you enter in their prayer life, you, you realize, okay, I'm in a heightened spiritual combat. There are powers of evil. They can act on me. What does that mean? Um, you, be, you begin to give the devil more power than he actually has, right? So I think this is, a, this is a good place to start to say, like, the devil does not have access to your thoughts, for example, unless you allow him to. The devil can't freely read your mind. God knows the depths of your heart. God knows what's in your mind. But the devil does not, because the devil is merely a creature. So we have to realize, um, first, as we enter into the spiritual combat, what are the powers of the enemy? And the powers of enemy, the enemy are not as magnificent as the powers of God. Right. It's it's kind of one of those things, like if you're, I mean, we talk about spiritual combat with the devil that we have to, we have to it, hence like the graces of, of all the sacraments, but confirmation in a real way that we're like soldiers for Christ. Um, but we can think of it in these terms, like if we're facing an enemy um, and we think that they can get it and we're in a, like a fortified area and we think that like they might be able to fly in or get in any way or these sort of things. We're overwhelmed by that prospect of having to protect and defend all of that. 
you know, like we can't do it. It's too much. But if we know that the devil can only get in by certain gates, like like to your mind by allowing him, well, we can defend that well, you know, because we're not trying to defend things where we don't need to. So it's it's important what Father Patrick is saying is that like the devil is not God and we don't need to treat the devil as God or give him more power over us than like what he's actually capable of. So like in protecting our thoughts, not offering that, um, you know, it's like, yeah, good play good defense, you know, be the soldier of Christ there. But can, does the devil know the workings of your heart? No. No. So, you know, we don't have, to, I don't think we have to be as overwhelmed by it as, as we might initially be led. Absolutely. No, um, I absolutely agree. And I, I think it's a great, um, it's a great false idea. It's a, it's a great thing that's greatly misunderstood. It's a widely spread, uh, it's widely spread and wrongly concluded that the devil has a lot more uh, ability or, or interest in us than he actually does. Um, I, how do we know, though? Okay, so but but these spiritual powers do offer real temptations to us. And how do we know when they come? Well, we can begin to um, contrast those means of, uh, of prompting those temptations with the kinds of things that are going to be provided to us by God. Okay, so if something is from the devil, it will usually lead us to betray the spiritual goods that the Lord has given us. Um, so it will distract us um, from prioritizing the life of the sacraments or the life of prayer. The devil will lead us to betray those we love, our friends, um, our, our, uh, our family members, great gifts from God. Um, the devil will lead us um, to to uh, sow confusion and discord in the body of the church, right? So if we if we feel um, particular animus, and I'm not talking about um, seeking justice, but if we feel particular animus or obsession about particular church leaders, I, I think there's a real danger of of getting overly involved in Catholic news today. There's there's sensational stuff that that just doesn't matter in one's personal spiritual life. It doesn't, and it needs to be cordoned off. Um, so I, so I think that's a danger that the devil, the devil wants to move our hearts to sow discord and, um, and, uh, to affect harmony, to destroy the union of his body, the church. So these are some of the things that we can start identifying saying like, wait a minute, where is that? We have to ask ourselves to see that though. We have to ask ourselves, well, where does this lead? So I kind of jumped to the conclusion there, but, but a temptation shows up and we, we sort of begin, um, to, to play through it, right? We're kind of testing it the way that a cat or a little dog tests something that shows up in the house, right? To say like, oh, what is this? You know, you sort of paw around with it. Um, you test an idea, you probe it a little bit, and then you, you examine, oh, what might the conclusions of this be? And you begin to see some of these ill fruits that I was discussing. That's how we re realize, that's one of the ways that we realize something is not of God. Yeah, and I think what you just said there, like the fruits of, of, of the action or thoughts or, you know, that sort of thing. And it's not as if we have to wait. It's not, we're not consequentialists in this that we need to, we only know by seeing the fruits of it. Right. You know, because we can use our reason and judgment. We can use, rely on the teachings of the church and, and of Christ and the scriptures and, and the tradition that we have to see that like, if I behave or do these sort of things, that leads to, to bad fruit, as we're saying, or this leads to um, things that are not good or contrary to charity or, or goodness and truth and beauty and these sort of things. So it's not as if we we can only see in hindsight, ah, that was from the devil, and I, or like that was you know that was a bad decision or that was sinful. Like we 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 know we have our we can really rely on the fact that like of the imago dei that we're created in the image of likeness and likeness of God, and that we can think through things, and that God, as we've already talked about, reveals to us to help us know what is like the good and how to pursue that. 
Um, so I think that's really important. Uh, one thing too that I think is important here, and this would apply to especially this category and like is this thought for me category um and that's sort of like we can't be caught by it Mm. you know this can't become an obsession we can't become scrupulous this sort of weighing of things ought not become the the focus of our prayer christ ought to become the focus of our prayer and this is like growing in in the christian life right that we become more ready to like do the good and pursue the good without having to like hem and haw about it like that's what virtue is so I, I often say, like with these questions, is this from the devil? It's like, well, maybe, maybe not, you know, but like, is it in accord with goodness and truth? It's much more important to figure that out than it is like, what is the source? And once I know the source that I can, well, leave it alone, you know, don't become distracted by it in some ways. When I was at Summer Projects in Acadia in Maine, we hiked a little, we hiked a, a small mountain called Beehive, and it's a great hike, um, but there are a couple parts of the mountain that are really more climbing than hiking. And, and I don't... That was your... That's where you excel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's really... Yeah. yeah, spoiler. I was not happy <laughs> about this because there, there are parts of the mountain, uh, parts of this climb that have um, iron grates over it, like places where the mountain has been worn away. And so you're, you're stepping over these grates very, very... I was stepping over these grates very gingerly. There are places that where there are handholds you know where they've put iron bars in the side of the mountain to grab onto. So there, there were there were moments in this climb. And, you know, it's not a fantastic climb. If you go and look it up, please don't judge me because it's really not that impressive. But it's a very beautiful view, and it was a it was a fun little climb. Anyway, the point of this is that um, if you get to a point on on a mountain where you're climbing and you begin to think um, so consciously about the next step. You begin looking down. You begin so concerned about how it is that you can move. You freeze, right? I, there was one kid in our, in our group, um, one student we were with, who just like floated up there. I swear, he's like half mountain goat. And this guy, this guy's just like jumping up and down all over this mountain without a care in the world how this was going to work out for him. I think that is something that we have to emulate. There is a good to be sought there, not that we should totally be um, without it, without attention to, to, to where we're going, but there is a kind of freedom that comes when we're looking more at the destination than at the next step, if that makes sense. Um, because if you're, mo- if you're moving forward, you begin to make more progress than you're aware of um, with, without being focused on uh, on just okay what what exactly is the next thing that i have to do and then you end up freezing i think the spiritual life is kind of like that um where if we're, if we're if we're focused on the end heaven holiness um we have a confidence about about the trajectory that, that we're on that gives us a, a certain liberty as we're moving through each step and as you say if we're too inward focused if we're focused on ourselves and what we're capable of or where exactly our next step will be or our next foothold we, we end up we end up being frozen yeah and like what we we use this phrase all the time but we should stop and think about it you just use it spiritual life mm. right it's it's a way of living and we can't you know we can't live by just sort of this isn't a real thing micro analyzing every single thought or or this or that it's like the life of virtue enables us to live as children of God, not to analyze, you know, like, yeah, we have to, I'm not saying you can never look at what we're doing or consider these things. Yeah, of course. But when they become the means by which we function, we're running into issues, Mm -hmm. right? It's a spiritual life. It's the Christian life, that sort of thing. Every love draws the lover out towards the beloved, 
Christian prayer has to be like that too. It has to be ecstatic, drawing us outward from ourselves into um, the goodness and plan of God. Right. Okay. So we've talked about the devil, how to handle that a bit. Um, who's next on our list? I think maybe me, right? Is this thought for me? Um, because if we're progressing from the evil towards like, you know, from Satan to God, we're kind of in between. You know, we're not God nor Satan, but we'll move in that direction. We'll arrive at the good at the end. Um, so, yeah, how, how do we how do we begin to consider? I guess I'll set up the problem, right? And then you can answer that. Here's, I have this idea now because the devil doesn't tempt us to do good things, but we might ourselves have thoughts about doing a good thing that we might think is not in accord with God's will. Mm. So how do I, how do I adjudicate between that? If this is just like, we, I can use the vocation thing again. Do I just want to be a Dominican or does God want me to be a Dominican? How do I, how do I go get about that? Yeah. So some things do that our, our minds do concoct things. We have visions of grandeur that aren't really fitting to our ability or to our state in life. Um, so, so as we begin to to long for these things, um, I think they don't necessarily have to come from God. Um, they're, they're part of the human condition, part of part of just natural life on this side of eternity. Again, one of our starting premises was the world was broken. You are broken. I am broken. We are broken. So, therefore, not everything that comes from us is going to be good. Um, and I, I think that's really important to um, remember, right? That the the foam is the tinder of original sin is always there lurking in our hearts, ready to be sparked at any moment. Um, and when it begins to burn, it turns into a wildfire, you know, the likes of which has consumed Spain this summer. So I think that uh, I think that we, we always have to be cautious about that. Okay, so what are the ways we can adjudicate whether something is, is truly an authentic good that's coming from me, right? Well, we, we, have, we, we begin by asking ourselves, well, do I really like that? The desires of God um, for us are going to are going to resonate within our hearts. Um, in, in vocation discernment, I'm sure you've, you've run into this. I certainly have. People think um, they they find themselves wrestling with a vocation because they're angry that they might be called to priesthood or religious life. Right? They think, oh, this won't make me happy. Newsflash: You're probably not called to that <laughs> if if you don't if you if it doesn't inspire happiness within you. Okay, so there's a kind of resonance about the kinds of things that we're generally attracted to, the kinds of desires that we have uh, placed in our hearts by God that will fulfill us. And that's a mixture of personality and interest and, and, a, whole, and a whole host of those things. But God is not um, desiring us to be kind of long-suffering. He, he wants those desires that he's given to us to be fulfilled, um, provided, of course, that they're in accord with the natural law and with the law of the gospel. Yeah, and one of the things, too, there that we... I think we often get wrong is that we think that there's um, what there's some sort of chasm or something like that between um, between my desires and God's desires, what God wants for me and what I want for me. And somehow they're at odds and I need to I need to reconcile that. Mm. Right. Like I need to figure this out when in fact, like the the whole like game of holiness or of conversion is not that we're like better figure outers of or like solvers of this problem, but that like grace and confirmation to Christ makes us like conform to him. That's that's like a tautology. So that's not helpful to use the same word to define what I'm trying to define. But um, as we are more and more made like Christ by his grace, there's less and less of a sort of division of wills. There's a union between me and God, a real union. You know, this this union that like I am connected to God, like I can know what God is doing as he reveals himself such that I don't have to, again, hyperanalyze 
everything. Now, as you said, there are times when we get it wrong, you know, because we're human. But the point of this is not to sort of uh, just become good, like, sifters of the divine will, but to become united to it. You know, there, and there's a difference there, I think, you know, that, mm. that we work, that I become united to God such that I can function and live my life in a life of virtue, conform to him, rather than just being like, you know, a, a sort of analyzer of data. A similar question came up earlier this summer when we had the Godsplaining retreat at Immaculate Conception Seminary in Huntington, New York. And you answer that question by offering a triptych from yeah. one of the Patres Graviores of the province. And I think that's germane here, um, some of those principles. Could you could you say a few words about that? Yeah. So the what Father Patrick is talking about comes from the, the Desert Fathers, you know, the 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 early monastic pre-monastics out in the desert. And they had this they have this some of them have this idea of um of 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 sort of movement and growth in the spiritual life in this threefold, this triptych reality. So the first is is self-knowledge. The second is self-acceptance, and the third, self-transcendence. Now, to the modern era, as I said at the retreat, that might sound like, whoa, danger, like this sounds like super modern, self-acceptance. And But what the Desert Fathers are talking about is in order to get to Christ, we have to get out of the way, basically. Mm-hmm. So to do that, we first have to know ourselves because we have to beg the grace to be healed of our infirmities, of our spiritual illnesses. We have to be able to ask God to confirm and perfect what is good in us. Um, We can't ask for things that we're not aware of. Mm. So self-knowledge. Self-acceptance means recognizing this is who I am, good and bad, broken, and, and not living in a sort of delusional reality. Like, this is me. Not that I should be here, but this is who I am now. Mm-hmm. And self-transcendence means that like, I get over that. I recognize that even despite my hang-ups and my, my imperfections and all of that, um, God still loves me and wants me to be holy. Um, and it's, it's that that is that when we get out of the way, and I think this is why you brought this up, right? That like this union with God, it's when, when we get out of the way, we allow God to work. Um, so this knowledge, acceptance, and transcendence, not, it's not this sort of um, tolerance thing. It's like, I'm made this way, so God has, you know, but it's, no, this is, this is a way for me to not be my own stumbling block. Sin is a disorder. It causes disorder in our lives. This, this disorder lurks in every human heart. We have to be honest about that. And I think the principles you just elucidated, knowledge, acceptance, and transcendence, self-knowledge, self-acceptance, and self-transcendence, um, are useful in this context insofar as they help us to judge whether or not something is from me, whether or not something is from the evil one or for the cause of evil, and whether or not something is from God. Yeah, that's right. So we have just a few minutes left. We've talked about, we did the devil, me, and then we kind of moved to me and God. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts on sort of determining whether or not it's a divine message, divine kind of yeah, I want to do a little bit of an inclusio. I want to refer back to where we started. Um, yeah. Just by, by by assuring our listeners, by assuring anyone watching this episode, that God does want to speak to us. And again, I think the biggest obstacle is that we find ourselves asking, well, what does God really have to say to me? Well, everything. God, God has desired to share his whole self with us, to share everything that he has made. All of creation is for uh, not only his glory, but but for us, he did all of this for us and more. Um, and the, and to think that God really wants to speak to you is a, is a a really marvelous thing. So therefore, if we know that about God, we should be expecting God to be saying things to us in our spiritual lives. We should anticipate it. We should long for it with joy. 
Yeah, and in a sense, we could say we almost we have the right to demand it in virtue of our baptism. I mean, God gave us that yeah, right. it's what he's in promised In virtue us. of our baptism that mm-hmm. he would hear when we call upon him. So call upon him. Do it. Trust it. Um, any final thoughts for our listeners in a, on that, that? That sort of, I like that idea of finishing with like demand, demand, ask for it. We're, we're, we're <laughs> ready to, and you will find. Exactly, we're ready to demand mm-hmm. in so many circumstances. And I don't mean like that it's God owes it to you. Mm-hmm. But that we have the right, you know, we should ask, be courageous in asking the revelator. So great. We'll leave you with that then. I think that's sufficient to meditate on, sufficient for my meditation. Um, all right. Well, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Like the episode, su- subscribe, leave a five star review. That's all super helpful for us as always. If you'd like to donate to the podcast through Patreon, follow the link in the description or show notes. There you will find links to shop our merchandise and to get information on upcoming in-person God'splaining retreats and pilgrimages. And as always, thank you to all of our donors uh, and all of our supporters. Uh, Until next time, pray for us, we'll pray for you, and God bless.